0: Hi, this is Emily from Stillwater, Oklahoma. Dusted is a Storywonk podcast. To show your support and for exclusive content, visit patreon.com storywonk. Thanks.
1: And welcome to the show. I'm Alistair Stevens. And I'm
0: Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is Dusted, your rogue demon hunting Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. I'm
1: sorry, I can't continue with this charade a moment longer. You see, I work alone.
0: (gasps) That's funny because I work alone.
1: (laughs) That's going to (laughs) make podcasting difficult. I guess we could agree to work alone together. Sure. We can demarcate our studio with a strip of masking tape. Oh,
0: that'd be awesome.
1: It's like a crossover between, you know, Angel and the Odd Couple. Yes. Which we're approaching by degrees (laughs) the more episodes we watch. This week on the show, Parting Gifts, the 10th episode of the first season of Angel and the first episode of what I guess we might consider the post doyle era.
0: Kind of new Angel.
1: And doesn't it feel like a statement of intent? Doesn't it feel like a signpost?
0: (laughs) Yeah. It, this think, is
1: where we're headed with the show.
0: I think our our chemical combination here is just different mm. and it sort of sets Angel on its feet for the first time. It's been a little wobbly, you know, for the and which happens a lot in the first season of any television show. It takes a while to kind of figure out what it is that you're doing. And this feels like the the show that I remember watching. Yeah, no, yeah. that's
1: exactly it. We've had some great moments, great episodes from Angel thus far this mm-hmm. season, but this is the first episode that feels like the show I remember. It feels like Angel. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's a coincidence that yeah. this is the first episode that on the one hand feels the most like an ensemble show. Mm-hmm. Angel's role as sole protagonist yes. is somewhat reduced in this episode compared to previous episodes. And it also feels like the most... Buffy-ish episode, it feels like the best melding of the comedic and dramatic instincts of the writers. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good, solid episode. I think it's perhaps more enjoyable as an indicator of things to come, (laughs) as an oracle, as a a seer Mm -hmm. itself, than it is an outstanding episode of television. But I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: No, I like this episode a lot. I think it's very solid. And had it been in the midst of... A bunch of other episodes that were from like this era of Angel that had their feet solidly on the ground that knew what they were doing. It might not stand out quite so much, but for me, honestly, this feels like yes, this is what we're doing, now we've got it and we can move forward. So I really like this episode.
1: This episode co-written by David Fury and Janine Renshaw. David Fury, of course, a writer with whom we have had something of a complicated history, Yeah. given his work over on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and his work on Angel to date, which consisted of lonely Hearts, <laughs> co written by Janine Renshaw, who previously wrote I Will Remember You,
0: which we love,
1: an episode yes. of which we are rather fond. This episode also directed by, I guess, Storywonk favorite, not yeah. even just Dusted favorite, but sure. Storywonk favorite, James A. Contner. Previously, he directed Lonely Hearts and Sense and Sensitivity over here in Angel. He's mm-hmm. done work too on Buffy, on Veronica Mars, on pretty much every TV show you've ever seen. We
0: see him in a lot, life. and it's always solid work.
1: This is particularly, I think, a fine and professional and workmanlike episode from yeah. a directorial standpoint. Mm-hmm. There's nothing particularly flashy, nothing particularly ambitious, mm-hmm. but it does what it does really quite beautifully. Well, this is
0: what I love about Connor's work is that when he comes in to do a show, he understands the visual language and he uses it to great effect. Mm-hmm. And that can be difficult. I mean, I've never really thought about it before because I'm not a director. I've never really gone in that direction. So like, I understand some of what's involved, um, but I've never really thought thought about how incredibly valuable it is to have somebody who can come into a show understand the visual language turn it around knock it out and not you know stand out in a way like he makes it look easy stand so he doesn't through... stand out through either not understanding it or through trying to show off
1: exactly stand out through yeah. professionalism and accomplishment rather than right. by trying to leave your signature your mark exactly on a piece. that's Which... not the job of a Journeyman a network TV director. Of a
0: network TV director is to go in, understand the visual language, and use it effectively to tell the story that's at hand. And I think put, that contner yeah. does that so wonderfully. And it's one of the things, too, that unless you're doing something like this where you're actually, you know, consciously looking at those elements of how what it is to make a television show, this is the kind of guy that can just go unnoticed, that nobody notices how great his work is. Um, but I have to say, I have a huge amount of respect for people who go go in, get the job done without an excess of ego. And just make it happen. I don't know what the guy's like on the set. I know absolutely nothing about him. But I would guess that he is well-respected.
1: Given how much work he gets, certainly well-liked. And based on the quality of that work, how well he
0: works within these. We've seen him on, you know, three different shows now. And he always comes in, respects the visual language, and uses it effectively. And that's not a small thing.
1: Particularly when he's empowered by a very clean Mm -hmm. and uncluttered and confident piece of script work, which is certainly what we get here. I think the synthesis between Jeanine Ranshaw's voice that we appreciated so much alongside David Greenwald in right. I Will Remember You and David Fury's voice, who, as I said, you know, we've had our problems with David Fury in the past, right. though we know mm-hmm. that he's capable of great things. There are great things yes. to come mm-hmm. in both Buffy and an Angel. We just haven't reached them yet. <laughs> and And in other shows besides
0: he's growing as a writer yeah certainly this feels mm-hmm.
1: like his most confident yes, piece of work absolutely. to date. unfortunately when there are collaborations in a script like this it's impossible to say definitively
0: who did what who right. did what mm-hmm. and, you know
1: what degree of work belonged to David Fury whether he wrote individual lines or Ginny Ranshaw wrote individual lines mm-hmm. or scenes or acts or whatever yeah suffice it to say this is a really accomplished and confident script
0: yeah mm-hmm. thoroughly
1: enjoyable piece of work <laughs> let's get into it previously Doyle had visions Doyle liked Cordelia Doyle died, a hero. We open on Angel trying to convince the oracles that they should fold time again and bring Doyle back. They refuse, even when Angel points out that without Doyle, he doesn't have access to the visions of people that need his help. The oracles dismiss him, and we cut to a demon racing down an alley pursued by a leather-clad motorcyclist, a mysterious figure indeed about whom we shall say no more for the moment... It's a good opening.
0: It is a really good opening. And you know what? I'm really glad that Angel went back to the Oracles and that the Oracles were like, no, dude, this is not Target. You don't just come in and get a temporal fold anytime you exactly. want one. Yeah. I, this is, we needed that to be kind of patched up in the world building.
1: Well, or we could have just forgotten about it. We could have just forgotten that the Oracles ever yeah. existed, never mentioned this them This is again, the stronger choice. That. Well, it absolutely is. Mm-hmm. It's acknowledging what Angel the show needs on a week-to-week basis, that there can't just be a giant cosmic reset button Mm -hmm. every time something goes wrong. But it also acknowledges that this is a wider world, that this Mm -hmm. is a broader canvas than we usually get. I think that this opening in particular really does feel like Buffy at its best.
0: Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. It's got that
1: tone just down. Then we have our hurried introduction, of course, to our case of the week. We cut to credits, and when we come out, Cordelia is taking inventory of the coffee mugs in the office trying to attach some significance to one of them in remembrance <laughs> of Doyle. This feels positively Weedonian.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. The idea
1: of the small kind of thwarted gesture Yeah, that she's looking for. She's actively she's looking, looking for something. She's looking for something
0: of Doyle's yeah. that's there, but there was nothing significant. He had no special coffee mug. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like it too. It's a nice little moment, you know, but it says a lot. And that's, again... We don't, Weedonian, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely.
1: Angel tells Cordelia to take the day off, but she barely has the time to make a stand about how she's not going anywhere before her alarm beeps, and she leaves for an audition, just in time for Barney the Demon to arrive. I like this ongoing relationship between Angel and Cordelia. Yes. This, this ongoing kind of half-step towards psychology, and indeed reverse psychology, that <laughs> they're never quite sure... Yeah, they're kind of talking past each other in a really engaging way. It feels like they've been friends for a good long time.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that they understand each other, which is really nice. Mm -hmm.
1: So Barney knows Angel's whole deal, except, I guess, for the fact that vampires don't sleep in coffins. Which Angel takes a moment to, you know, authorially filibuster about. To go through this whole...
0: See, this is the thing. In the first act of this episode, there are a lot of these jokes that feel somewhat sitcom to me like when he walks in and, and he says i should let you know i'm a demon right but he delivers that in this like flat it's not a sarcastic hey you should know like i didn't read it that way it felt like it was this joke like he's obviously a demon he has horns growing out of his head he must know that people stare at him on the street he knows he looks like a demon um so why would he say that it feels like a sitcom joke I've-
1: that Gotta the character not really in on. I really like that line, and I absolutely bought it as as being you know consistent with his character. That it feels as though it's a, you know this. I know that you know this. I'm going to say it anyway, just so we can. Move okay, past no, it. I
0: like that read. I didn't take it that way. It, it read flat to me. It read like he honestly didn't think that Angel would know he like, was a demon.
1: Do you like Maury Sterling? I the do. Actor who plays. I do Barney.
0: like him. Yeah, I, I think find he's him real good.
1: Incredibly charming, and he's yeah. one of those guys who does that yes. in pretty much everything. Uh-huh. This may be actually the broadest range that I've ever seen from him as an actor.
0: <laughs> well being a demon,
1: yeah. I think he's terrific. I really no, do. I think
0: it's good. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you read it that way because now that I think about it, that Makes more sense. In the moment, I was like, okay, that's just a bad line. The line
1: that stood out much more conspicuously to me is the whole, as I said, the authorial filibuster about vampires Yeah, no, sleeping that was the coffins, next thing. Which yeah. feels like, I don't know, maybe there was a review that was written about Angel. Maybe there was, you know, talk on some message board somewhere mm-hmm. about how come Angel has a bed yeah. <laughs> and not doesn't sleep in a coffin. Mm-hmm. It felt like, yeah, it felt like the show stating something mm-hmm. about Angel in quite a heavy-handed way. I could see perhaps that it's also just a joke. It
0: feels like an argument about... Um, it feels like a, a response to internet boards. Yeah. It feels like somebody on an internet board said something that annoyed one of the writers, and so they decided to go off on a, you know, on a, here's the thing, vampires can have indirect sunlight, you know, because that's one of the things where I was like, okay, these offices are bathed in right. sunlight.
1: That is our latest piece of, you know, world-building adjustment. Yeah. That's our latest kind of modification tape, of right? the rules. That it's not just... Just about Angel can be in indirect sunlight. He can sure. wander around. It doesn't all have to be dark and gloomy, but also he operates during the day. Sure, he does. Which, as previously established in an Angel, is was the reason.
0: Unusual. Well, but yeah, because the whole thing is I, I need to be around during the night yep. so it that the creatures does make of the night. In this
1: case, forgetting are getting rid of the gem of Amara, wandering a little shake here. Yeah.
0: Demons <laughs> wandering around during the day. Like this guy walks into the office. Yeah. You know, this is an office and a building. Through a public stairwell, as we saw last week. So I mean, the whole thing, the idea that demons if demons were moving around at night, which would make more sense considering that they tend to stand out, so less light will serve them well as far as like blending into the, you know, to the universe here. Um, it just it felt really, really weird. Yeah,
1: at the very least you'd want Barney to have a hat, wouldn't you?
0: I think he did have a hat, didn't he?
1: Did he have a hat in that opening scene?
0: I, I don't even know. But, but <laughs> I'm
1: just—I'm picturing those little horns, the That's little horns. Is, yeah. yeah,
0: no, I don't know. I mean, it—it it seems like he should be trying to hide. He should at least have a hoodie or something, you know? You'd think so. Um, but yeah, it feels a little bit weird. This idea that these demons are just wandering all over Los Angeles, but yet the regular community still doesn't realize there are demons. It's
1: yeah, but. As over on Buffy we're yeah. moving toward a more supernatural kind yeah. of world building where mm-hmm. suddenly there are magic shops everywhere and every right. other person you mm-hmm. know knows a witch or can cast a spell or has some kind of amulet. Mm-hmm. It feels like this is this is just the vision of LA that we're getting from Angel.
0: Right. And mm-hmm. we're
1: establishing that with things like the auction with things like the presence of Wolfram and Hart. Mm-hmm. You know, we're building toward this idea that yeah, there are just demons.
0: Which is in actually LA. Doesn't bother me. It's just that it directly contradicts a lot of it, the things yeah. that have come. Because we remember that episode of Buffy where Angel was simply stuck in a in a cage where sunlight <laughs> was starting to stream in, yes. and he was completely depleted and almost dead, and the sunlight hadn't hit him directly yet.
1: But we've so, dialed it back a lot since then. Yeah. And We're certainly expanding. So the there's world. just
0: there's a fair amount it's of duct evolution. tape on the world, which I think yeah. is actually all right because you have to expand this world at a certain point.
1: Yeah, I guess what I like about this episode is that f- for perhaps the first time, it doesn't feel like duct tape. It just yeah. feels like mm-hmm. because there's the giant break of Doyle's death. Yeah, and because we th- this show is tonally different mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. It feels like a reset.
0: Like a reset rather yeah. than,
1: you know, Which a, is all right. an explanation. I think it's I offered. think it's
0: necessary when you when you no, tell this many stories within the world, you of necessity have to expand it. And the thing is is that it is better to do this and be a little inconsistent in the long run mm. than to not do it and end up working under such severe restraints all the time.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You go to where the story is.
0: exactly and also mm-hmm. where
1: the where the theme is and the right. idea of la being a melting pot of demons and demon hybrids right, because and when humans it comes right and- down
0: to it this isn't purporting to be a documentary this is about this the metaphor and about right. the,
1: um and we should say too mm-hmm. that perhaps one of the most striking things about barney is that he just knows all about angel yeah he, angel's whole you know has a soul angel's
0: pretty famous
1: apparently public knowledge. word
0: now. is spreading
1: and i feel like that's a recalibration yeah. too. I feel mm-hmm. like we're, we're, we're moving our sense of who Angel is and ultimately what Angel Investigations is. Yeah. It's... Good stuff, though. It's, I like it. Perhaps yeah. I'm just won over because it feels so confident and assured.
0: No, I think that it's necessary. I mean, it is inconsistent. Yeah. And so people complaining about that could definitely, you know, have an argument for some people. When the world breaks like that, it feels it feels unsteady, yeah, you know, yeah. and I can understand and sympathize with that. But I think that in the end, if you have to make a choice, you make a choice that creates more space for storytelling. Absolutely. And that was the choice that they made.
1: At the audition, meanwhile, Cordelia's emotions are getting the better of her or, possible Mm -hmm. alternative interpretation, Stain Be Gone is really revolutionary. Yes. It is possible that it's just a fantastic product and she really is genuinely overwhelmed.
0: Oh, I read it as fumes. It
1: could also be I fumes. read it as
0: breathing in the fumes. And this is Entirely another possible. space in this episode, in the beginning of this episode, where her, you know, blatantly crying in the middle of the thing yeah. and, it, and them reading it as her just taking it in a weird direction rather than saying, hey, are you all right? Like something's obviously wrong with this girl. Yeah, I um, didn't like this. It again. Really, really it was one all. of those jokes. It, we like sacrificed the reality for the joke, you well, know. And the
1: show's also never sure how good an actress Cordelia is. Yes, <laughs> like we're we're very right. uncertain, and it's not as though we're we're even directly inconsistent. I guess mm-hmm. we just don't know. We, we yeah. genuinely have no idea. Mm-hmm. So when they play this scene and she breaks down and she's. Just being terrible. She, right. She's just not acting well. Mm-hmm. You know, to differentiate, I guess, charisma Carpenter is excellent. Cordelia is a terrible actress but in this play,
0: scene. To play a bad actress well, though, is a very difficult exactly thing to do. Right. So, all all hats off to charisma Carpenter on that. So,
1: to play it to have this very conspicuous presence mm-hmm. and intrusion of these three producers who are so weirdly prominent. In this sequence, did it feel like Inside
0: sh- Baseball to you? I was certain
1: they were cameos. It, I was certain yeah. that they were like Buffy producers. They're not. They're just. They're you just know, actors.
0: Actors. But see, it felt to me like they were making jokes about the way that casting directors are. And it is entirely possible that if you go in weeping because of personal problems, the but casting director will read it as a choice in the read or whatever. On but
1: on top of angels passionate defense of vampires sleeping wherever they yeah. want to, mm-hmm. this also feels. You're right. Like Inside Baseball, yeah. it feels like it's. It's another joke.
0: Hollywood making jokes about Hollywood people. So pretty much always. If terrible. you're not in there, it's yeah. it's like writers writing about writers writing. Well, that always makes me nuts. I also yeah. think
1: it just takes up too much time. Yeah. Because we get the double delivery essentially of the commercial. Mm-hmm. We have her breaking down first and then getting
0: yeah. The sucker
1: punch of the vision.
0: And I mean, once the vision hits, we're on solid ground again. Right. But up but until then, it feels like we're building up
1: this joke that isn't carrying its own weight. If she'd been doing really well. Yeah. I think it's the break. That would be bad. great. If she'd been... If, if for the, the first the commercial time, was almost uh, the audition the bag, had been doing exactly. had been going
0: well for her. And then it got cut. And if but the producers we're so gave into this joke. Real yeah. notes.
1: We really like what you're doing. Can you tweak this just ever yeah. so slightly? And then she has the vision. Yeah. And then you still get the same yeah. the same punchline to the scene, but which you is, also okay, have that's this, the direction to go, It's a very
0: real anchored moment where Cordelia is actually having some success. Funny, and the moment she's having some success, then she gets hit, yeah. you know? And I, I think that that would have been a more powerful and stronger choice. But we are... We're really, really slaves to the joke in the first act of little this bit, um bit. as soon as the second act starts, we solid we solid out. But I mean, up until then, it feels really shaky,
1: yeah, or at the very least, the two halves yeah. of of the tonal problem that mm-hmm. is angel kind of reach a comfortable accord. yeah, once we close out the first mm-hmm. act here, they're kind of there's an internal tension that's that's threatening to shake this whole. Episode apart, Barney meanwhile tells Angel about the assassin that's hunting him. He's chased Barney across states, knows all the demon hangouts, and as we see in a cutaway, is well armed. Barney protests his innocence as the hunter pursues him. Finally, asking Angel if he's going to help. Some time later, Cordelia returns to the office and, without a word, kisses Angel. It's a nice scene. Yeah, I feel again, like David it Boreanaz fell out of.
0: Character a little bit.
1: (laughs) I am won over by it because I feel that David Boreanaz and Charisma Carpenter have not sexual chemistry, but a really great chemistry. Yes, they do. -hmm. I don't know, almost a familial chemistry Mm -hmm. between Mm -hmm. them. So when they get to play these Mm -hmm. overstepping, overlapping scenes of awkwardness, I'm almost always... No, I'm I'm charmed by by it. I think that
0: because we'd had such a rough first act up until this point, it was a little bit like, okay, well, why wouldn't she just she goes and kisses him?
1: Why wouldn't the first beat be? yeah i have powers i don't believe it
0: exactly yeah. and then you know and well, then she the says joke. well because we need to have that realization though like i think that if she come in and said you know i've got this this power i don't know what's going on doyle kissed me and the next thing i know and then she jumps on angel that would have at least set yes, it up in a way that would have made sense but what it doesn't for do Cordy.
1: is cue up our three beat of cordelia kissing kissing people the first people time she sees them the second which sees we're them, clearly yeah. just doing I, I would find that a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily certain that I want Cordelia to be reduced to a character who just makes out with people she doesn't know for comedic purpose. That seems like a weird direction to take this character. Right. I guess.
0: No, I get her but kissing. We're only doing that to get because, rid of the thing. yeah.
1: Because Wesley's going to be in the episode. Spoilers, I guess, for things that are coming up later in this episode (laughs) of Angel. So there's no spark. There's no chemistry. There's certainly no exchange of supernatural powers between Cordelia Mm -hmm. and Angel. And that's when we get the explanation. (laughs) She apparently intuits that Doyle passed the powers onto her when he kissed her. And it turns out, I don't know if you know this, because to the best of my recollection, Doyle never mentioned it. Turns out these visions are pretty painful.
0: Yeah, no.
1: Just, Just like cripplingly...
0: No, he handled it with a real stoicism. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Cordelia will do whatever she has to do to get rid of this gift, even kissing Barney the minute he emerges from the bathroom. But no luck. Angel tells Cordelia to sketch the blobby things she saw in her vision while he goes off to investigate the mysterious demon hunter who is tracking Barney. As Angel unlocks the door to Barney's shady motel room, who's pushed inside by a silhouette with a crossbow. Rather than fighting, mm-hmm. which is what you would normally expect Angel to do, I suppose, he is instead just stunned because it's Wesley Wyndham Price.
0: <laughs> Wesley Wyndham Price, covered in leather, head to toe, I love it.
1: Pretty great. I love it. Pretty great. Angel disarms Wesley so effortlessly that <laughs> the word effortlessly requires too much effort, I guess. And Wesley explains that he's now working autonomously as a rogue demon hunter. <laughs> Alexis Denisov oh, God. is a comedic genius. Yes, <laughs> he's amazing. a way that he moves. Her, there is a physical aspect to his performance mm-hmm. that doesn't break the world. It doesn't challenge the reality that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. But it is nonetheless cartoonish and and generally speaking hilarious.
0: Well, the thing he does though which I absolutely love is that it is really funny, but it's also anchored in real character. When you see Wesley, I'm a rogue demon hunter and he's he's you know when he sits and like tries to put his foot on the bed and it slides yes. off and it's yes. just he anchors all of this in this real vulnerability in this sense of who he is as a character that it's it's not just cartoonish I, and i like yeah, the way he's able to balance that
1: i feel that we've dialed up his his
0: ridiculousness ridiculous yes, yes. his bit. pomposity certainly
1: yes. even from buffy he's mm-hmm. now even He's
0: trying to define himself. He's, he's sure. sweater no, Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> this is, yes,
1: Giles went to the sweater Wesley. Every went time, to the leather. A it's leather Wesley. Those two, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Those two characters. No, you're right. I think there's certainly an aspect of that, and I think that 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 begins to break as mm-hmm. the episode moves on,
0: and and wonderfully too. I think uh, so. Yeah. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No,
1: I'm I'm very glad to see him, and he's a welcome presence. Yeah. In the show, I kind of wish that we didn't have to do the. I work alone like the repeated I work alone beats. Oh yeah. And I feel that maybe we go to the well once too often on the Rogue Demon Hunter joke. But
0: I don't know all in all yeah. It works for me. No, it all works for me. But then again, I think, you know, Wesley is my angel
1: spike. Sure. He is the, okay. He
0: is the character who, when he's in an episode, like, I don't care. Well, I good news just... <laughs> for you, then.
1: <laughs> it turns out that Wesley has been following a trail of corpses, each of which has been deprived of some essential power-giving body part. The description he gives doesn't sound like Barney, though the drops of viscous yellow gloop on Wesley's jacket might be a clue. <laughs> the demon drops from the ceiling because apparently, I guess, one of the powers that this demon possesses is the patience of a saint.
0: Well, and the ability to just stick to the wall like sure. blue tack. I just don't know hang what is out that. While Angel and Wesley
1: get reacquainted. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Wesley is thrown across the room as the fight breaks out. Angel is knocked on his back, but the bolt from the crossbow is enough to make the demon think twice, and it leaps through the window and runs off. Really great fight sequence. Yeah, mm-hmm. really physical, visceral kind of choreography to the fight sequences that we're getting from Angel. Yeah, a much. I don't know grimmer and more urgent kind of fight choreography than we generally get from Buffy. Yeah. Which is a little more a little more choreography.
0: The gravity basically. is a little more powerful in Los Angeles. That's
1: that yeah. seems to be the case, doesn't it? And <laughs> it I was does. reminded the shot of Wesley being hurled against the wall is very much like the air ram shot. Yeah. that we saw earlier in the season. They really like Mm -hmm. Just slamming people into walls.
0: Oh, I think that you should. If you're going to do a show like Angel, you should use the (laughs) air
1: In Angel's apartment, Barney finds Cordelia drawing and tells her about the pain she's suffering. Doyle was a funny smelling half a demon and Cordelia misses him. Angel and Wesley arrive, and we barely have time for Barney to run off and for Angel to pursue him before Cordelia kisses Wesley, too. They have, it's fair to say, a little more chemistry than the last time they kissed. Oh, and that we was
0: get much better, yes. The
1: first of a series of glimpses yeah. of Cordelia's Here Again, Gone Again back tattoo. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yeah. No effort made to conceal that tattoo at all in this episode. For those of you coming in late, perhaps, that tattoo is Charisma Carpenter's tattoo. Yes. Cordelia canonically does not have a tattoo. So sometimes on her they lower cover
0: it, and sometimes they don't yes and i don't know why they ever cover
1: but it they will go to great lengths yeah. later in the show <laughs> to cover it even when cordelia is wearing very little yeah even when arguably the more reasonable choice would be to have her you know cover up sure. or simply get a tattoo <laughs> sure. but here no tattoo is on display most importantly though There's no transfer of power between Mm -hmm. Cordelia and Wesley. Barney and Angel come back, apparently caught up on the exposition. And I love the way that this scene is blocked. The basement apartment is such an interesting space, as we've commented before. Mm -hmm. And here it is leveraged. For some really dynamic storytelling because mm-hmm. we it's almost like a stage play. The yeah. Way that it's yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Angel and Wesley come in. Mm-hmm. Barney runs. Angel goes off to pursue him. Exit mm-hmm. stage left. Cordelia and Wesley have their moment. Angel and Barney come back in. Wesley goes off to, to the back to, I guess, upstage yes. right to recover whatever it is that he's recovering. Mm-hmm. He comes back in. We're using this fluid and dynamic space really yeah. very nicely indeed. No,
0: it's a nice nod to James Contner. And knows what he's doing. And and to
1: whoever designed the set originally. It's it's Mm -hmm. just a great, great space. Wesley reveals the truth about the Kungai demon, and he and Angel bicker over which one of them is more lone wolfy. But Angel is still feeling Doyle's loss, and he's not going to take any risks. In Koreatown, Angel manages to track the Kungai demon to a spa. Apparently, a demon spa, because the demon he finds is not the demon he's looking for. Cordelia, (laughs) meanwhile, is trying to draw the shape from her vision without success. She tells Barney all about Doyle's gift and about her visions, and he offers a different perspective. She should feel honoured that Doyle entrusted her with the most valuable thing that he had. Mm -hmm. So far, so good. Yeah. Because we're about to hit the breaking point in the episode. We're Mm -hmm. about to hit the big twist, the big reveal. We're about to reach that moment at which our assumptions about these characters are are turned Mm -hmm. on their heads up until this point to what degree does barney feel like he's going to be the new doyle
0: i think a lot i think in the beginning the first time i watched this episode i thought oh okay so we're Basically, you know, transitioning Glenn one Quinn. demon out and bringing another one He's back in. He's the plug and play right.
1: replacement. Yes. He dresses the same. He's got a He's got the similar kind of charm. Kind of
0: energy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got
1: the empathic powers, which sure. could certainly be, if we're going to, you know, mm-hmm. shuffle off the visions and we're not going to deal with that anymore, just simply being able to sense those around yeah. you That might be fun, mm-hmm. right? It feels up until this turn, mm-hmm. not just that. Barney might be our replacement Doyle and that Wesley is a guest star. Yes. But that the show is working pretty hard Mm -hmm. to make us believe that that's the case. I feel like they're leveraging what would have been in 1999, a lifetime of expectation from TV shows. Sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because when you lost a character, when a character left, you replaced them with somebody that looked just like them and did the exact same thing. (laughs) And this is one of the things that I really like about, and again, you know, what Whedon does and what Whedon kind of brought to television is the idea that if you have a character that leaves... You need to bring in somebody new, somebody different, somebody you who does a different go to where thing. The story is. Exactly, and that opens up more spaces for you narratively. Um, so this is one of the things that at this time in television, most of our storytelling was fairly static. You know, it was fairly like this is the dynamic that we have, and if the actress who plays the mom leaves, we'll just hire a new actress who looks kind of like her. You know, right? Or um, we'll
1: bring in an aunt, or we'll bring in Valerie like
0: Harper, or right. whatever. Exactly. Like, it's like we bring in somebody with the same energy so that when it's syndicated, when it's in reruns, we can shuffle all these episodes around and they won't feel significantly different because yeah. this was kind of in that transition period between purely episodic television, like your law and order kind of thing, where you can just shuffle this stuff around. It doesn't really matter what order you watch the episodes in, um, into this more, you know, serialized storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. we had a
1: handful of shows. we would had, mm-hmm. you know, The X-Files, uh, Babylon 5, sure. Deep Space Nine, where we tried to... Longer form storytelling, but they were on the vanguard.
0: Not most television shows weren't like that at that time, and
1: even then, Mm -hmm. when you would lose an actor halfway through a season, right? It was most often the case that you would replace that actor, you're right, with with a plug and play replacement with
0: somebody. So, let me ask you this Mm
1: -hmm. let me ask you this question in, I guess, three parts. Uh, (laughs) firstly. Does the show deliberately try to mislead us into thinking that Barney is the replacement Doyle? Oh, Secondly, I think so. if it does, is that playing fair? Thirdly, if it's playing fair, does it work?
0: Yes, on all counts. Yes, on all counts. Yes, on all counts. <laughs> they're misleading us but they're not lying to us. It, there's a difference between that they're letting us right. they are they are leveraging our own natural assumptions, which by the way, I don't think as many people would make. Today, because we've moved away from that pattern of the plug and play, you know, replacement. Sure,
1: though, I think when a character shows up, Mm -hmm. you know, dressing like Doyle, walking like Doyle, talking like Doyle, you tend you would be inclined to think at least, oh, okay, this is the replacement. This is the replacement Doyle. Modified this character, we've shaken him up, right? We've we've, Mm -hmm. you know mixed up some of his characteristics, yeah. But he's basically going to serve the same role. Mm -hmm. I think it's fascinating that we do what we do in this episode and that we do it so confidently and the turn is just fantastic.
0: I think the turn is really incredibly effective. And I think the turn can
1: be attributed to Maury Sterling's skill and flexibility as an actor because he really sells it.
0: And see, this is the difference. It's plain fair with the audience if you never directly lie to the audience, if you just mm. allow the audience to make the assumptions that they're going to make. Um, and I think that that's totally fine. When you actively lie to the audience to make them believe something and then turn around and undercut it, I don't yeah. think that's plain fair. No, you're
1: right, but leveraging expectation. Leveraging
0: expectation yeah. is a fantastic way to do this. Sure.
1: Mm-hmm. So Angel finds the Kungai demon at the spa, but the demon is dying and missing its horn back at the office, Barney calls his friend Hank in what is notably the most casual use of a cell phone in the Buffyverse to date. Sure. Apparently demons all have cell phones. Maybe yeah. we should mention this to the Scoobies well, back Well, they were the Sunnydale. ones
0: actually who brought the technology in. Oh, right. Yes.
1: Wow. That uh, is I could classic buy that.
0: demon technology. I
1: could buy the T-Mobile.
0: Anybody who's ever had their call dropped in the middle of a sentence. Yeah, that's <laughs> demon technology.
1: So Barney calls Hank, tells him that he has the horn, but that he's also found something even more valuable cordelia when we come back from commercials barney takes the cord from a lamp and begins to berate cordelia including describing her as being 20 something yeah canonically cordelia is 18 at most 19 19 maybe may conceivably be 19 sure cordelia doesn't bat an eyelid at the fact that he describes her as a 20 something
0: we're aging her up
1: we are uh, this absolutely. is the proof that everything we've yes. been talking about all season long yes. is actually true. Mm-hmm. We're aging Cordelia up. She's in her mid-twenties because the character works so much we're better. We're just
0: whistling right past those teenage years. We absolutely
1: are. And <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's the right and smart decision. Yes. And if they, I don't know, deliberately retconned mm-hmm. or trapped Cordelia in a demon dimension for a couple of years, you know, Tra- it passes in the blink of an eye. But when she comes back, she's actually five years old. Oh, see,
0: that would have been really nice if they had done that. Yeah, we could
1: absolutely have done that. That would have been
0: fantastic. That. Yeah, yeah they should have done that. As it is, yeah. though,
1: we're just acknowledging that. Chris carpenter has been playing 26 for the entire exactly. run of this show and of Buffy too. <laughs> Barney can read Cordelia's self-doubt and guilt and pain and I love, love. That take on Cordelia.
0: No, I love this moment. You're a terrible actress, and how do you know that? And he's like, because you know it. Yeah. And it's a wonderful read on her insecurities, on the crisis of confidence that she's having. Uh, I love that moment. Really I, I didn't understand why he didn't just convince her to like leave with him without... like she, He's on her territory. Angel could come back at any moment and screw this whole thing up. So for me, like, motivationally, it didn't make sense. But yeah. I love... I love that whole interaction so much that I don't even care. Well, the only
1: beat that we get that explains it, because you're right. Why would he challenge her on her home turf in this dangerous environment? He doesn't have
0: control over that. Space. So getting her out he's of that space. Her trust. The exactly. only thing that mm-hmm. works
1: though, or the only thing that goes any distance at all toward explaining it is that when he pins her to the table, yeah. he talks about how, you know, delicious her fear is, her terror. Right. He talks about how much he enjoys and that maybe that that's empathic yeah. resonance. Yeah. So maybe wanting to frighten her is all and part of the can't deal for him. Resist it. That yeah. he's
0: a risk taker, which you can see by the way that this character that he is that kind of guy. I think so too. You know, so yeah. I think it makes sense. I, I love when he's reading into her and using her insecurities as a weapon against her. I thought that yeah, was it works, really nicely it works done, beautifully. Yeah, and
1: I don't think that we hold it too long either. I mm-hmm. think the stuff that we get from Barney in the first two thirds of the episode, because this really is our at least approaching our, yes. our second act turn into the sure. third act. I think that what we get from Barney isn't. Mm Insubstantial through the the first two acts of the story. He's not just taking up space. He's not just there to be filler. Mm -hmm. He really is giving us thoughtful reflections on Angel, on Cordelia. He's giving us a space to get to know Wesley this new version yeah. of Wesley I think he's a really well written character and a brilliantly written antagonist
0: and he's playing the Doyle role yeah. you know sit there talk with Cordelia so flesh out that part of the story um, yeah no it's really nice
1: yeah b- because to to move the plot forward and to generate that conflict while also mm-hmm. doing the thing that he himself is purporting to do which yes. is giving us insight and, and solace mm-hmm. that's that's really nicely done yeah. I like it a lot this this is the moment I think where the episode really comes into focus
0: oh sure and you realize Mm -hmm.
1: oh oh now i know
0: what you're doing this is what
1: you've done at the spa wesley appears just in time to translate for the kungai demon he would have been there earlier had he not felt it necessary to change into his our man in havana suit (laughs) (laughs) do we really need look
0: we've switched from leather wesley who is not does not understand his own space in the world, is trying to figure out who he is. To linen Wesley, who knows exactly who he is.
1: <laughs> I guess, yes. Uh, yeah. Linen Wesley is to sweater Giles as leather Wesley is to Ripper. Is uh, that where we are?
0: I guess. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I sort of. Except that leather Wesley isn't. It's him trying on some, like you know an identity that does not belong sure. to him and that does not work for him. But like linen Wesley knows who he is. So I See, actually quite like. The- I I'm not
1: sure that I bought there. linen, Wesley, any more than I bought leather, Wesley, because it still felt like too much of a costume. Yeah. If it had been dialed down a little bit, or if it had been the suit, if it had been the classic his classic you know, suit
0: that we'd seen him in, yes, yeah, then
1: I think I would have just, oh, this is the, it's Wesley again, right? But here it feels like, oh, the first he's identity gone too didn't
0: far work, to the other so side, this the other, other yeah. extreme,
1: and linen is an odd choice for a character like Wesley.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. Because fair a linen enough.
1: suit has a different connotation to it. It does. It has a, a it has very, a very Miami
0: heat kind of connotation exactly, to right? it. Yeah, no, I. it's It's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that before, but I think you're right. I think that the linen is going a little far in the other direction.
1: Luckily, though, he is there and he is able to translate for the Kungai Demon. Someone took his horn and more will die. Cordelia, meanwhile, manages to fake a vision and tries to I run. I
0: love that they have her take agency in this Capability, moment. And she's strength, not just agency. the kidnapped damsel in
1: distress. She's fantastic. I love that. Barney catches her and knocks her out as the kungai demon dies. Meanwhile, Wesley manages to translate just enough to point them at the killer. It's Barney, you guys. Cordelia awakes, bound and gagged, with the strange blobby statue from her vision in front of her as well as a fun collection of body parts. Oh, sure. I may never look at, like, the mason jar section in Michael's the same ever again. Angel and Wesley find the scene of the fight in the basement apartment. Angel looks for clues while Wesley undergoes an existential crisis.
0: Right, because now is the time, Wesley. Now is the time. He
1: was, it turns out, fired by the Watcher's Council. He lost two slayers and he tracked the wrong demon. Angel, though, identifies the sculpture from Cordelia's sketch. Angel, as we know, Quite the fan oh, of abstract sure. no, art.
0: Seriously, that is exactly the kind of piece that I would have expected to see in his apartment back in Sunnydale. No, it's completely consistent. It's completely consistent with weird, who he
1: is. Yeah, he well, has this very culture. side. When you live side.
0: for 250 sure. years, I guess after a while you pick up some stuff.
1: I, I liked it. I I, I bought it as a character it. beat and I liked it I as a detail. I thought it was great, yeah. yeah. Thus informed, Angel tells Wesley that they will work together to rescue Cordelia. He finds the sculpture. Wesley figures out the translation. It's an auction. We cut to said auction where the tack horn has been sold. Hank takes Cordelia to the podium and the bidding starts at two thousand dollars. It stalls at eleven thousand, but Cordelia, being Cordelia, pushes it higher still until it finally reaches thirty thousand from the representative of Wolfram and Hart. Afterward, Barney negotiates an extra thousand to extract Cordelia's eyes, much to Hank's disappointment. He takes the tool himself. Angel and Wesley arrive just in time. Angel fights the guards. Wesley struggles to remove his knife. There's some comedic stumbling and so on and so forth. He finally cuts Cordelia free. He attacks Barney. Cordelia stakes him with the tack horn, draining his life and deflating him entirely. Back at the office, Cordelia frames the drawing as a memento of Doyle while Wesley theatrically prepares to leave, returning only when Angel invites him for breakfast. The end. It feels, perhaps, that the fight scene resolution is a little perfunctory. hmm It feels a little bit like we end this episode, which is about deceit and identity mm-hmm. and, you know, not being who you seem to be. Yeah it seems a little as though we end this episode with a fight because that's how episodes of Angel end. Yeah. And similarly, that's how episodes of Buffy end. <laughs> right. There's very few problems in the world that can't be resolved by punching. hmm So while I can understand that this is, yeah, very much of a piece, it between the elongated scenes at... The auction itself. Yeah. And then what feels like it takes a long time mm-hmm. for Angel and Wesley arriving at the hotel, finding the room. Yeah. This completely unnecessary extra negotiation with the representative of Wolfram and Hart.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it
1: doesn't matter.
0: No, I mean, it's nice. I like Wolfram and Hart being a presence because we haven't really heard no, much I, from I them. I like that since, too. Yeah.
1: But, and, and I like their presence mm-hmm. in and the close-up that we get on the briefcase. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it's <laughs> nice. It's nice. The briefcase is very nice. I just don't think that the extra negotiation backstage as it were right, actually no. adds anything to the except that it, just it
0: delays everything a little bit yeah. longer so that angel has time to get there so I mean it, it yeah you know it's it feels a little
1: bit sluggish don't necessarily feel that we need to have Wesley duct taping the knife to his leg.
0: No. See, Wesley's goofiness is a little bit much in this moment. Although I love this moment where he says, I'm going to thrash you within an inch of your life and then I'm going to take that inch.
1: That is a very (laughs) different line. I really like that.
0: See, I like that moment. I understand. They made Wesley just a little too goofy, I think, in this episode. Um, But I like that he gets Cordelia free and then Cordelia kills uh what's his face kills barney yeah um i like the fact that she's not just a damsel in distress no, that like she that has, is right. active in her own rescue
1: i think that it, it sits a little uncomfortably with me because we know that wesley is trained in weapons he was a watcher he was capable he's not smart enough or sm- as smart perhaps as he thinks he is He's not always. I think he's
0: every bit as smart as he thinks he is. I think that his problem comes in uh, in self awareness to a certain degree.
1: Uh, perhaps that's a better I way think that that's it. not as aware, as not he should as self
0: aware as <laughs> he could be. And uh, but he and, knows yeah. his way
1: around a weapon. That's well established. But he, he has
0: some. Yeah, he has some. And that was what Giles I liked. I liked in Buffy the way that even though he was a bit of a blowhard, which I think is where. Wesley's character traits come from his lack of self-understanding, lack of self-awareness yeah. although it's not a, it's not a you know a, a deal breaker. lack of self-awareness he's almost there he's getting there and when he does when he has that realization I'm a fraud I don't know like he will yeah. admit it and he comes out with it um, but, but he'll
1: never learn as much as you expect him to
0: yeah but his problem or he isn't, hasn't
1: previously isn't
0: that he's not capable he yeah. is completely capable
1: How does the breakfast scene? Work for.
0: I you. like the breakfast scene. I like Wesley's doing his big speech from Grapes of Wrath where there's danger, I'll be there. <laughs> and then, and everybody's just ignoring him because both Angel and Cordy know he's not going anywhere. Like they know he's not going anywhere. Yeah. And it takes him a moment to come back and, and accept the eggs. And, you know, I That's thought it was really nice. Part of
1: the problem for me, I think that it plays really well if you already know wesley and if you're sure. already aware uh, spoilers i guess that wesley's going to be a consistent part of the show from yeah, here right, on mm-hmm. out he's going to appear in all but one episode of angel from this point yes. forth. Mm-hmm. he's going to be a major member of the ensemble and that's great and i think that if you look at this scene with that knowledge with that experience yeah then it works well enough because from that perspective, he already feels like well, part cause of the family. Well, because this is
0: where the family solidifies. Right. Yeah. If but you don't know for that. for the first time, sure. particularly,
1: I mean, heaven help you if you didn't know who Wesley was. If mm-hmm. you came into Angel without, without having, seen, having Buffy, seen Buffy. Without yeah. having seen the handful of episodes of Buffy in which Wesley right. appeared, mm-hmm. then you would have no idea who this guy was or yeah. why he why he deserves that place at the mm-hmm. table. Sure. I feel like within the span of the episode, he doesn't. He doesn't earn. His they don't earn his spot. space
0: in in this episode on its own. Yeah, I, I think, think that, I can see that. That
1: could be remedied simply by not going to the. You're right. The histrionic.
0: Yeah, but for I am needed down. elsewhere
1: and shall venture out into the dark of the world. If we didn't do that mm-hmm. and we just, we just dialed like it down just a little bit. OK, maybe I dial think...
0: it down a little bit. I like the Grapes of Wrath thing. But, I like the whole speech. I like the fact that as soon as they offer him eggs, he's like, oh, yes. You but know. Is
1: there an argument that you like that because you already know and care about and accept Wesley?
0: It, that is entirely
1: possible. Yeah. I think it yeah. works with that. I think that, it may be a little knowledge.
0: bit too goofy if it's, for if his it's first not time. that. For his first time. For his <laughs> introduction into because the show. Yeah.
1: Watching it this time, I'm just reminded of Oz showing up.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it
1: feels like, hey, remember that time Oz showed up? Hey, remember that time when Oz stopped by before guy. he left Sunnydale too? I guess? Sure,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, it feels like a guest star spot. Mm-hmm. And then when he sits down for breakfast, you're like, wait, is this not a guest star? Are, are, are we, I, I guess we're, not, we're doing yeah. something else yeah. here, I suppose across the board though I think it works in general I, I think, think
0: it's works. I think it's really good and I think that it's possible that without having all that you know, the other knowledge and understanding of Wesley that it could feel a little, a little abrupt, a little weird. And, and his going over the top, he is a little over the top in this episode, absolutely. Um, but, uh, but I just, I, I love this episode. I think it's nicely <laughs> structured. I don't think it wastes a little time in the auction, but it doesn't waste a whole lot of time. No, I think it's not Barney bad is, as much as it's just written, a
1: little slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it works well enough. I kind of wish that they just, taken that same time and just done something a little more yeah a little more progressive with it if we just had a little more between Barney and Hank yeah if we'd learned a little more about you know the swathes that they've apparently cut across
0: right the mm-hmm. continental
1: states I, mm-hmm. I would like to know more about their operation mm-hmm. in as much as it would give us insight into this broader canvas into this world where demons can just hold an auction in a hotel los angeles everyone's totally relaxed about it and it's fine (laughs) Uh, so i I think that's a very slightly squandered opportunity Mm -hmm. and the consequence of that very slightly squandered opportunity is that the pacing just sags a little just a
0: little bit yeah, just a Mm -hmm. little
1: but the proficiency with which we cut back and forth from cordelia to angel and wesley Mm -hmm. manages to keep it moving and keep it feel energetic and, dem- uh, yeah. and dynamic even mm-hmm. when it's you know even when that's a little bit of a construction it's a little bit of misdirection and magic mm-hmm. trickery going on to, to keep us engaged in the moment but overall it's a, it's a solid episode i think I it's, like it's it, a yeah. good example of middle-of-the-road Angel. Mm -hmm. It's, it's I don't know, B-plus kind of.
0: (laughs) I I really like this episode, but again, I think that my personal adoration of Wesley, I love whenever Wesley is in a scene. It gives me a very, very serious happy. Wesley's going to be much
1: better. Mm -hmm. Angel is going to be much better than this. It just feels as though this is, if you stripped out all of the episodes that weren't good Angel, Mm -hmm. as distinct from good TV shows, I feel like this would be a middle-of-the-road Mm-hmm. good Angel a uh, good episode of Angel sure. does mm-hmm. that make sense mm-hmm.
0: yeah no I definitely I understand that it doesn't mm-hmm. it
1: doesn't break the formula although it does in a sense establish the formula yeah, you know no, we're getting something this is where really it,
0: this is where everything feels like it just solidifies I think so too and I really really like it
1: that said yeah not a great deal of depth not a great deal of of you know no. theme to extract from sure. this episode not a lot to discuss I
0: do like that moment at the end though Cordy opens up and I like that they do this very subtle book ending that she opens up looking for something that is specifically Doyle can't find anything that they have she takes that drawing and frames it and says it will remind us that we have something of Doyle's here in the office and I really like that moment
1: I would have maybe liked a beat there acknowledging that she's you know acknowledging her new role acknowledging that she's going to keep the
0: power I think she would have asked for a raise
1: (laughs) exactly there it is This is why you should write all the TV shows. That is exactly the beat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. yeah, It would have been perfect. Mm -hmm. As it is, though. Really solid episode. Where does it go on the list of every Angel episode ever?
0: Well, we have now 10 episodes. We've got a slide parting gifts into its slot in there.
1: Parting gifts is the 10th. Is the 10th.
0: Is the 10th. And I would say that it's second only to I Will Remember You. Yeah. I think that it's better than than everything else that has come so far.
1: I I could see the argument at going as low as fourth on the list. It's it's Mm-hmm. Definitely, unambiguously better than City of, and everything lower than and City of on the And everything lower than that. In the I darker Hero, you
0: could make arguments. In but... the dark,
1: you could certainly make arguments, and I could see two mm-hmm. arguments about Hero. I think the highs of Hero exceed the highs of Parting Gifts.
0: Yeah, and there's there's but deep emotional work that's sure. being done and, in and Hero import, that I could yeah, see. Just, yeah, just
1: significance earns. Mm-hmm. I could uh, see for some people Hero that moving it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That said, though, there has to be some allowance made for. This kind of profound consistency, A solid kind of workman, like no.
0: this is this is the James A. Contner. This is the episode that goes in, gets the job done um, and does it nicely. And I think that you need to respect that, you know,
1: that said, I kind of feel like in the dark just has it
0: just edges this out a little bit.
1: And this is one of these classic, you know, it depends on what you go to right. Angel for. If you go to mm-hmm. Angel for the high drama, for the... But you're right, this episode also makes a pretty good argument to move in the dark down the list, because now Angel's walking around during the day and should probably have the gem of Amara. Sure. <laughs> This like whole a good argument idea. Seven at the weeks end ago.
0: of, of yeah. in the dark no all yeah. right let's
1: put it let's put it in the I second would put spot it as number two i, I yeah. can see some flexibility there mm-hmm. i can see some 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 mutability there but but i'm happy to put it in right under i will remember you which i guess no spoilers is going to stay at the top for quite a for while for a
0: while yeah mm-hmm.
1: It's mm-hmm. quite a while it's a pretty good <laughs> episode you guys so that is it parting gifts number two on the list of every angel episode ever and that is is it for Dusted this week. We will return on Monday with the 11th episode of the fourth season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Doomed, written by basically every Buffy writer. (laughs) Everyone had their spoon stirring the pot for this one. It's an interesting episode Mm -hmm. and certainly some of the uh, preview material we've seen on Twitter and on the StoryWonk forum about Doomed suggests that actually, this is the episode that's going to adjust our opinion of Riley, it's going to be an interesting mm-hmm. one to talk about, that's for sure. Guys, that will go up on Monday at noon. In the meantime, if you have thoughts on Buffy the Vampire Slayer or on any other piece of pop culture that you love, you can reach us by emailing podcast at storywonk.com, by following at storywonk on Twitter, or by stopping by the aforementioned forum at forum.storywonk.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back on Monday with more. Until then, I'm Alistair Stevens,
0: And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is Dust
1: So I guess I didn't tease the spoiler section in the main body of the podcast this week. Yes. There has to be a Wesley-oriented spoiler section. So this is it. If you haven't seen all of Angel, stop listening now. Sure. <laughs> there we go. So Wesley yeah. is your favorite character.
0: In Angel? Absolutely. Wesley is the reason I go to Angel. I love the arc that we go through um, from beginning Wesley to end Wesley. Yeah. Um, it is fantastic. I'm... It doesn't do much, I think, in the first season. But once we get cooking, uh, he really goes through this whole change. And I love what they do with him.
1: What he does in the first season, and I should say that we're not going to talk extensively about Wesley's arc through the Mm -hmm. whole show, because we're going to do that over the course of the next two years of Dusted. And it would be silly now to, to kind of preempt our responses to every beat of that story. Sure. I think that what Wesley does in the first season is very much what he did in this episode. There's something about his... Presence, his connection with Angel, his connection with Cordelia, with mm-hmm. the complexity and vulnerability of those relationships. Yeah. He makes this show an ensemble yes. in a way that Doyle never did. Yeah. And, and I don't know quite what that difference is. I can't I was thinking about it a lot, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah. And I think it's not just Wesley's presence that does that. I think it's also the adjustment that we mentioned earlier of the tone sure. of the show. Mm-hmm. It feels like a different, more harmonious, more ensemble focused show. And certainly I think Cordelia steps up mm-hmm. a little bit. Yes. Now I think we get a little more of her. Well, She's she a little has more a present.
0: real role to a now yeah. um, that was sort now of split of among her and Doyle, like she and Doyle were both sort of the Greek chorus and Angel as was the we one saw running so often, around. You're right, you're right. Um, and now Cordelia has both the visions and her essential cordelia And we get Wesley, who actually brings something else as a team is his, you know, experience, his knowledge, um, his, you know, understanding of his capability, which is something that we didn't see a lot of in this episode, uh, but which we will see in the future.
1: His desire to fight the good fight. Yeah. He believes in something thing that yeah. unifies this team in a way that Doyle I guess theoretically abstractly did I guess we're supposed Doyle to was buy
0: there because
1: Doyle kind of believed and argued for visions. atonement yeah but he certainly didn't He didn't see the battlefield the way that Wesley sees the battlefield. He's not invested
0: in this the way that, um, the way that like Angel is. Like, Angel's invested in the fight because of the fight. Doyle's there because he gets visions and somebody has to take them. And that if Doyle had a choice, I think he'd, you know, wimp out on it. Generally, like, he would not be doing this if he could do something else. Um, whereas Wesley, it really feels like this is his calling. This is what he's supposed to be there to do. He has a good reason for being there.
1: But that calling, that desire, Desire to fight mm-hmm. still connects with that core vulnerability, with yes. that question of identity.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's really yeah. nicely done. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I like glad it. to have Wesley in the show, and you're right; he's going to be a great presence. He's not, I think, my favorite mm-hmm. character. Um, probably yeah, third or fourth, I would say, uh-huh. on the list. Which is not to say that he's not fantastic. It's just you know, <laughs> I value and prioritize. Yeah, and respond to different things, I mm-hmm. guess. But I can completely respect, uh, completely respect your position. Oh no, Angel is basically Love. the Wesley show.
0: Yeah, no, Angel <laughs> is the Wesley show for me. Absolutely. What is yeah.
1: the Wesley storyline or the part of Wesley storyline that you're looking forward to the most?
0: Oh God, when Wesley goes dark. Yeah, doing. I mean, this is one of the things. Like, as a writer, is you know making your characters make a choice. Doing something good for bad reasons, doing something bad for good reasons. Um, those are the really difficult choices to make, and and it's one of the things that they do really nicely with Wesley. Again, we're not going to see that that much. He is the you know the ever faithful sidekick through uh, most of the beginning seasons <laughs> of Angel, uh, but when Wesley starts to make choices, make the hard choices, um, and we see him through his love story with Fred, which yeah. is tragic and wonderful and fred oh my god i can't wait until we get to her yes um these are all things that i just i love wesley so much and he is exactly the kind of character that's just made to delight me no i can
1: see it yeah the illyria part of wesley's storyline is Mm -hmm. is bold and is powerful and is one of the most ambitious most tragic darkest arcs that we get from from the buffy verse for me though it's it's wesley and fred there's a hope yeah there that I find enormously touching. And uh-huh. by that point too, of course, we've established our ensemble. We really sure. are telling team stories. And, yeah. and that's such an interesting and and powerful single relationship mm-hmm. that informs and reflects this entire network of relationships by that point so oh yeah, there's a ton to look forward to and as I said you know all but one episode yeah Wesley's gonna be front and center and
0: I'm excited
1: guys thanks so much for listening we'll be back on Monday with doomed as I said and back next Thursday with Somnambulist yeah it will be an experience
0: a little Jeremy Renner What's for you yeah?
1: for little Jeremy Renner right little, little Jeremy little Renner. baby we'll, Hawkeye we'll, we'll, hanging we'll out in uh, Somnambulist <laughs> <laughs> if all else fails and all else may very well fail guys thanks so much for listening we'll talk to you. See you soon.